Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Well, welcome to the Getting Heaven in the People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper and excited to continue journeying with you as we look to help each one of us over these 40 days experience greater spiritual freedom. And we've been looking at the journey toward that freedom. And a big part of that is knowing who God is and that God desires for us to live in an ever-increasing union with Him. That progresses from communication to communion to union. And 2 Peter 1.4 invites us to become participators of the very divine nature, which is what union with God is all about and we've talked about so far. And for us to become people who are united with God, we've got to know what God is like. And we see that God is a God of love. God is love, 1 John tells us, and anyone who lives in God lives in love. So for us to experience a greater union, fellowship, connection, relationship, a deeper spiritual life, which many of us long for, we need to be people who grow and become in Christ-like. We need to be people who grow in love. And so I'd love for us to just kind of zoom out a bit and to just really imagine how do we grow into people of Christ-like love? Throughout the centuries of the Christian spiritual history and the traditions, Different people, authors like Augustine or St. Ignatius of Loyola or St. Teresa of Avila or Evelyn Underhill or, or John Wesley and others have talked about the key stages of faith. Most recently in the book, The Critical Journey, Stages in the Life of Faith, authors Janet Hagberg and uh, Robert Gulich developed a model that helps us understand what are some of these key stages of faith if we we're going to name and identify them more. I was first familiarized with this about a dozen plus years ago through Peter Scazzaro's outstanding book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which tells us, I think rightly, that you can't be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And so today, I'd like just to walk through what these stages of faith have been generally accepted to be. They're kind of the broad brushstrokes of the stages of faith. In some ways, we go through them like in a large-scale way throughout our whole life. And then sometimes we might go through these stages in, in smaller iterations. You might imagine these stages of faith like a, like a circle, almost like each stage has different pieces of the pie and you kind of make your way around this circle. But within this greater circle are almost smaller concentric circles. So as you'll hear these stages described, I think we go through them almost kind of like a spiral, that we, we kind of circle through these things at different times. And as I describe them, I think this will make sense for you. But I just want to help you capture a little bit of a visual image of what we're talking about. So the first stage of faith has been described as life-changing awareness of God. 
This is like your moment of conversion, that aha moment uh, where you come to believe I was lost, now I'm found. This is where you dedicate your life to Christ, start choosing to actively follow Jesus. It's a life-changing awareness of God. Maybe you've had that experience while being a part of an Alpha course or on a retreat or listening to a sermon, reading a book, or God just got your attention in a very unexpected way. That's kind of the first key stage of faith. Maybe some of you listening today, that's happened to you recently, or you're just exploring that and still wondering what that is. I would encourage you, no matter what stage you're on, that you just keep taking steps forward, trusting the slow work of God. The second stage of faith, then, is one could be described really as learning. After we make this commitment to Christ, we start to delve into what does the Bible teach? What does it say? What are the core theological doctrines that I should believe? What are the proper behaviors for Christian people to live out? What are the ethics that we should follow? Uh, what, what is the overarching way of serving? And what are our spiritual gifts? We start to get a lot of a sense of identity for who God is, what we should believe, and, and perhaps we get some self-knowledge around that as well. So that second stage is a key stage of learning. In many ways, we never outgrow this stage because we continue to learn in such a multitude of ways. A life of discipleship is a life of being a student or a learner of our ultimate teacher, Jesus. The third stage could be described, some some people call it like an active life or a life of ministry, a life of serving. This is where we take a lot of this knowledge that we have gained And we start to put that into practice in our ordinary lives. Maybe we've taken a spiritual gifts assessment and now we start to plug in within the church or within the world uh, in places and in roles that really align with our calling. We try to help our soul and our role be in greater harmony and congruence. One of the most, I think, distressing and restless type of moments we experience is when our soul and our role do not seem to align, do not seem to cohere. That can be an empty feeling that leaves us almost restless and and feeling uh, kind of stir crazy, looking and longing for something more. But this is where we get involved, perhaps teaching or leading a small group, going on a mission trip, uh, getting involved in a local organization. This is the time we can also connect how our Sunday faith is inseparably linked to our Monday work. We start to bring service to God into every area and aspect of our lives, not just on Sundays or at a Bible study. So first stage, life-changing awareness of God. Second stage is learning. Third stage is really about serving. And I would say in general, most churches disciple people in those three areas and largely leave the final three stages, which we'll talk about, maybe to parachurch organizations, or they just don't don't delve into it deeply enough. And I think a lot of the reasons that we don't ever make it from stage three to stage four is because a lot of writers, and Peter Scazzaro highlights as well, is that we hit the wall. There's almost some point in our life where things are going really well with our faith. We're in a groove, we're in a rhythm, and suddenly the things that don't, that used to really satisfy us, bring us life, they, they stop delivering the sense of satisfaction that they once did. This might be like 
worship, for example, singing on a, on a Sunday, hearing the music, it would sometimes leave chills kind of running up and down your spine. You start to feel really close with God. And then suddenly things just don't seem to be clicking for you anymore. This wall is something that can cause us to, instead of trying to push through the wall, to identify what is this, what's happening that's causing the same circumstances to affect me differently. Instead of pressing in to discover what that is, we can often then try and change our circumstances. I think this is one of the number one reasons why people leave churches or move from church to church is because we hit the spiritual wall. And rather than seeing it be an invitation to the inward journey, which is the fourth stage of the stages of faith, rather than see this as this, this kind of roadblock, this obstacle as an invitation, we see it as a barrier informing us to go somewhere else. But I think as we've seen through the pandemic, and maybe you're listening to this, and this rings all too true, we always bring who we are wherever we go. So maybe you've left and been plugging in somewhere else. For a while, that probably seems like a great move. But sooner than later, you are going to bump back against this wall. And how do you break through it instead of avoid it or try and go around it? Peter Scazzaro says this wall really is the unwanted invitation to the inward journey. And we make our way through that wall by accepting the invitation, as he would say, into an emotionally healthy spirituality. And so now, as, as opposed to, say, the learning stage, where we're learning from scriptures, theology, teachers, the inward journey, as it sounds, means we start to encounter God through through our inner life, through our emotions, through some of the pain of the past, through some of the patterns, whether healthy or unhealthy, we start to really lean into that verse that we began our podcast with in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Or as we quoted before and said before that word offensive could also be hurtful see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting and oftentimes god uses really averse unwanted circumstances to invite us into the inward journey and this inward journey can really last sometimes the better part of a decade from what different writers talk about this fourth stage i would say i really entered into it around the time i turned 24 I'd been married for about six months. We had moved to, to Colorado to attend seminary together, Denver Seminary. Big shout out to them. Love that school. Can't say enough good things about it. But after being married, uh, while we were on our honeymoon, my, my grandfather uh, died at the age of 94. And so I started to feel just these competing emotions within me pure joy to, to be married to Aaron, so much excitement about you know, living in a state that has 300 days of sunshine as opposed to Western Pennsylvania where I had spent uh, the first 23 years of my life. And that low pressure system really does make you feel pretty depressed. So I'm feeling more alive in all this uh, immersion and you know, vitamin D uh, soaking up in, in Colorado and stimulated by my new classes, new friendships. And yet there's just a real pain that I am carrying at the loss of a person who was one of the people I was closest to in my whole life and my grandfather. And 
and then just the pain of you know being away from people you love and and taking some real criticism for for moving uh, across the country to attend seminary like this and so i had all these conflicting competing emotions and I didn't really know what to do with them. And I think I really entered the spiritual journey when I started to meet with a spiritual director. And this director started to really just listen. His name is Kent, the man I just deeply love and appreciate. And I'll never forget that when I would shared some of the, just the harrowing experiences, some of the real pains I was feeling. And, and I was feeling them, but I wasn't allowing myself to feel them. You know, where I grew up in Western PA, the only way we really express our emotions by waving terrible towels at Pittsburgh Steelers games. But Kent enabled me to start to feel the emotions I didn't want to feel when he actually shed some tears for me that I was unable to shed for myself. And in some ways, just that act of listening and loving listening and attentiveness to my inner life and what I was feeling enabled just like a floodgate of tears and emotion to come out. And I started to realize in those circumstances, in both the joys and the sorrows, is where I am going to find Jesus, and Jesus is going to shape me and conform me into his likeness through some of the real unwanted realities of my life. And in many ways, that inward journey is still occurring for a lot of us. I think this pandemic has propelled many of us to have to face the walls of our life. And perhaps this is an, an invitation, an unexpected invitation to or the unwanted realities that we find ourselves in right now to go into this journey, to meet Jesus through the circumstances, the feelings, uh, the, the hidden parts of our lives. As this has been a time, as Barna reports, that 33% of practicing Christians have completely walked away from church, community, and fellowship, it makes me wonder if this is a real time for the church to enter into an inward journey of its own, to really allow God to investigate our life, our practice, the ways we have been being the church, and discover there might be better ways. But this is a hard thing for a lot of churches to do. How do we guide people into this? We'll talk some more about this in later episodes about spiritual direction and uh, sometimes spiritual friendship and some of these key ways that uh, we can do this. But it's hard to, to scale the inward journey through programming, through services. I remember Pastor John Ortberg once saying that disciples are handcrafted, not mass-produced. In a lot of ways, this is something we can't quantify, we can't easily engineer, and so since we can't make it uh, highly scalable, we, we sometimes neglect doing it whatsoever. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons for this podcast. We've gotten people into heaven, but we haven't worked on getting heaven into people, and that invitation to the inward journey is a huge thing. So we'll talk some more about this in upcoming episodes, but that's the fourth stage, and that might be the stage that God is inviting you to enter into more deeply. I think the Psalms are a great companion to pray and read through to help us have a friend through the journey. Then the fifth stage of faith is the outward journey or the journey outward. The inward journey 
causes us, I think, to be humbled and and die to our, our, our egoic operating systems. Ministry no longer becomes about us and how other people perceive us. It really becomes a much more selfless act of service. And we are not as rushed to make things happen, to get the attention, to tell the amazing stories as much as we are more more comfortable, to use the words of St. Ignatius of Loyola, to journey alongside others and to allow the creator to deal with the creature. What we do as ministers or pastors is not the primary thing, but facilitating environments and experiences for God as the creator to really work with his creation. That becomes the main and primary thing. So the journey outward is what comes and how we serve others well. I think I'd quoted earlier Robert Mulholland in a prior episode in his book, Invitation to a Journey. He says that spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. So this is where we see that, where we get heaven into us. It's never just for our own relationship. It's never just for our own joy. That is to overflow out to others. And that's what stage five for this outward journey is all about. And then the final stage, as many of the writers throughout history and more recently have shared, is being transformed into love, or that we become pervaded with the love of God. That happens through what God does in changing us and also in how we partner with God to be his hands and feet in the world, trying to make this world more like heaven, less like hell fighting for things like like justice, uh, working for the oppressed, helping to uh, right the wrongs that exist all over in our world, both at a more structural level and also person by person, opportunity by opportunity. So we want to get heaven into people so that people who are pervaded with this love of God would live with a union with God and be the greatest kingdom builders they can be. Life-changing awareness of God, stage one. Stage two, learning. Stage three, serving. Stage four, the journey inward. Stage five, the outward journey. Stage six, being transformed into love. Think about those stages right now. Where are you? Where would you locate yourself? What next step might God be taking, inviting you to take, I should say, to become a person more pervaded with his love, so that you might be a participant in the loving, divine nature of God. Over our next episodes, we're going to be looking at how we can be changed into God's love. And to be changed as a whole person into God's love, we have to help work through the partnership of the Holy Spirit at changing our individual parts. That's what's coming next, but let me pray for you now. And as I pray, I'm just reminded of Parker Palmer's great statement that the main movement of the spiritual life is from illusion to reality. And so, Lord, I'm going to pray for all of us right now that we might relinquish some of the illusions that we have about our maturity, where we are in our faith, and to be ruthlessly honest with ourselves and allow you to be honest with us as to where we are, the direction that we're heading, and to have an openness to your invitations, no matter how hard they might be, that we might 
trust you to take each of those steps. And I pray for people listening who want to take those steps, but maybe just feel stuck in fear or shame or embarrassment about where they are, what they've been avoiding. I pray that you would just bring loving friends alongside them to help them on this journey. And thank you, God, that by the grace of our Lord Jesus, we can grow. We don't have to do this on our own. And so I pray for my friends right now that are listening that grace, grace, and more grace would be theirs in abundance. For your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.